Welcome to Hunter Sports Talk. I'm your host, William Hunter, recapping yesterday's NBA action and previewing tonight's games. Let's start off in Oklahoma City where the Thunder defeat the Grizzlies 93-91. In this game, it seemed as if Memphis had control of the majority of the game, and they did. Came down to a last-minute shot from Kevin Durant, and they win by two. You look at what happened with Oklahoma City. Basically, everything had to be perfect, and it was. Durant had 35 points on 26 shots, shot 50%, went to the line 10 times, had a beast of a game on the boards, had 15 rebounds and 6 assists. Unfortunately, this is what I think they need from him every game to have a chance to advance in the playoffs. I don't think he can do that. That's just me. The points I see, him getting to the line I see, but him getting 15 rebounds. Yeah, that's crazy. But he had 35 points last night on 15 and 15 rebounds, and he was efficient 13 from 26. The other big scorer for Oklahoma City is Kevin Martin, 25 points in 32 minutes, 8 for 14 from the field, and 7 rebounds. So, yeah, that's his second good game in a row where he's scoring over 20 points. Now, this is a guy that I worry about, and I worry about ultimately what Memphis is going to do is put Tony Allen on Kevin Martin and said, hey, peace out. Um... Kevin Martin is not. This isn't surprising. The twenty-point score a couple years in Houston was a twenty-point score in Sacramento for one year before he was traded to Houston. But not surprising that he can score like this. I, I would be surprised if he can score like this the entire series. Um, a lot of interesting tidbits to have in this game. The first quarter was really slow. Um, picked up from then on. I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. And Oklahoma City just hung around while Memphis couldn't totally put. Oklahoma City away. On Memphis side, Zebo had 18 and 10. Marcus All had 20 and 10, but it was a kind of 20 and 10 if you really didn't, if you were paying attention. Wasn't really putting his will on the game. One matchup I think that is going to ultimately decide this series basically in Memphis' favor is that you're going to see a lot of Kendrick Perkins in your life if you're an NBA fan. Really didn't play over 20 minutes a game in the Houston series. He's forced to be on the court with Zebo and Gasol. He's not an offensive threat. He's basically playing four on five and on the offensive end when he's out there. Um, didn't have a terrible game. Yo, yeah, he did. He had seven rebounds and only two points, one for six from the field. But he played 34 minutes, and he's essential for them being out there, for him being out there because of the two bigs with Randolph and Gasol. Um not a lot of scoring anywhere else. Quincy Pondex had 13 points on, in 25 minutes. Had to was fouled at the end of the game, and I did, I had a feeling when he was going to the line, even though he's a high 70s free throw shooter, that he was going to miss those free throws, and he did. He missed the first one, and they had to end up hitting the second when he had to miss the third one on purpose to have a chance to tie the game up. Jared Bayless was pretty. Good in the first half, but wasn't seeing that much in the second half, really. Four for seven, hit a couple threes in the first half, finished with ten points. Um, Tayshaun, point, Tayshaun Prince excuse me, broke the double-digit scoring streak. He only had nine, and he had a tough time with Durant. One thing a lot of pundits are saying after this game is, why didn't you see Tony Allen on Grant? Not a good idea. And you, I can see you put Tony Allen on Grant for a few minutes here and there, maybe five or seven minutes during the game and give him a different look. But I think Durant just posts up Tony Allen, and it kind of delegates what Tony Allen does. I think what you may have to start doing is putting Tony Allen on Kevin Martin. I think he was on him a little bit 
in the game yesterday, but I think that's where the matchup is. And if you can shut down that second score, the formula is this with Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant is going to get you 25, 20 to 30 points a game every game that they play in this series. The problem is, is that what is what are the other two guys going to give? Who's, what's the second score and what's the third score? Serge Ibaka did not have a great game at all. One for ten with five points. Only had five rebounds. The team defense of Memphis is outstanding. And again, you have great individual defenders in Mark Gasol and Tony Allen, but their team defense is just really, really good. And I think that was one of the reasons why Serge Ibaka really didn't produce. He had his open jump shot from 16 to 12 to 15 feet, but it still wasn't really productive. And again, those were the only two, well, besides Ray Jackson, 4 for 8, he had 12 points. Martin and Durant were the key scorers for Memphis. So if I'm Memphis, I'm not worried. I would venture as far as saying if I'm Memphis and lose game two, I'm not really worried. But you want to steal one on the road to give yourself a, not the whole that. One would assume, you can assume now that L.A. and the Clippers and the Thunder are probably on the same level. It's not unforeseeable if the Grizzlies lose these first two and end up winning four in a row like they did in the last round. But one thing they'll have to tighten up is just keeping Kevin Durant in a minimum, which is hard to do, but also getting getting Kevin Martin out to score 25 points again, like I said earlier. This is the second big game in a row where he scores over 20 points. I think that's probably easier to do than keeping Durant down. Next game is tomorrow night, game two, and it's in Oklahoma City. Again, I still expect Memphis to win this series in six games. The other game that was on last night, or yesterday, no night games yesterday, by the way, all day games. ABC is having a field day because their New York, uh, excuse me, the New York Knicks, big market, um, they're playing Indiana Pacers. They play the first game in Madison Square Garden. Indiana steals one. They beat New York 102 to 95. And the rumors that come out is that what, what's going on with Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo Anthony, not that productive on offensive end last night. They had 27 points, but 10 for 28 shooting and 11 rebounds. He was okay, but. People are going to start talking about his efficiency in this series. Greg Felton was really good in, in this game also. 38 minutes, 18 points. Only three assists. Not being a distributor, more of an attack on that pick and roll. Um, they had a productive off the bench also. J.R. Smith, not great. Four for 15, but got to the line 10 times. Had 17 points. And Kenyon Martin, 12 points and three rebounds. The interesting thing about New York is what, the, what are they going to do when Amari comes back, are you take who minutes are you taking? Are you taking Kenya Martin's minutes? Are you taking Tyson Ch- Tyson Chandler's minutes? One would argue that Kenya Martin is just as productive or and or effective as Amari Stoudemire with his particular team. I just don't think that Amari is really a, a fit. Um, uninsure. One thing he's an uninsurable contract because of the bad eye and the bad bad knees. Just think it's hard to. Which they had no choice in doing. By the way, they had no choice in doing this. And what I mean by this, what I mean by that is this. It was a situation before they got Carmelo that they were looking for a star. This one was when Omar was in free agency coming off the year with Phoenix. Steve Kerr was the general manager at the time. And I've heard him say a few times, we couldn't invest that much money in Amare knowing his health situation. 
And look at it, he really hasn't played. He was really great the first year, the first half of the year he was there. I think Carmelo came towards the second half. And it was just one of those deals where their particular games don't fit. So what they did during this year when Amari took his hiatus again is that they put they had Amari come off the bench. He came back around 25, 30 games into the season, had him come off the bench, and they tried to dabble in Amari and Carmelo closing games together, and they were okay. They just weren't great. But I just wonder, you need that scoring off the bench, and ultimately, if they get past in the end, I think Amari is more beneficial in the Miami series if Miami gets past Chicago, which more than likely they will. I think he's more beneficial because you need as much scoring as possible. The problem with Amare is that defensive on the defensive end is going to be a little lax, not, not going to be as productive. But getting back to this game, he's probable for game three. Um, not, they had three guys with, with, with bench minutes. They had Kidd with 17, JR with 34. He's a de facto starter, basically. And they had Martin with 25 minutes. And Chris Copeland played a little bit. Didn't do that bad. Two for three. Three-point range had six points. Um, probably should play a little bit more, but there's only so many guys that you can play in the, that you play in the playoffs. In the end, on the other hand, great game. One thing that they did, they played big, meaning that they had, they had bigs in their rotation. They're saying, "Hey, we're going with the traditional lineup of a power forward and the two guard, small forward, center." What that does, they have Carmelo playing the four basically in this new revamp. Oh, with a great Knicks lineup. But when you're having Carmelo play the four, he has to deal with David West. And when you're dealing with David West on the defensive end, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Just him posting up and him running pick and pop a lot. So I think that this is going to take a toll on Carmelo and adjustment has to be made. Problem is, you put Carmelo at three guards, Paul George, that's fine. But maybe you put Kenyon in the starting lineup. I don't know. But I just think it's hard to ask Carmelo to guard David West the entire series. All starters and double figures for the for the Pacers. George Hill had himself a non-efficient game. 5 for 17, 14 points. But attacked the basket a lot. Had six, 6 assists, 7 rebounds. I'm just surprised that he is a starting point guard on a contending team. I just thought he was just going to be combo guard, good six-man off the bench. But this guy's a legitimate starting point guard. Lance Stevenson had a productive game also, 11 points, 13 rebounds from the two spot. That's productive. He kind of surprises me too. Came into the league from high, well, went to Cincinnati from it for a year. Came into the league from high school as basically it was the, he was the known as a scorer because guess what? He was the all-time league scorer in New York high school history. So thought he was going to come in and turn the league out. By the way, a great article written by Jonathan Abrams from Grantland that basically profiled Lance Stevenson and J.R. Smith and talked about how their careers kind of intersected, kind of similar a little bit. And that, No, it's not an article on J.R. Smith. I take that back. It was basically an article about Lance Stevenson. But check that out. It's on Grantland. It's written by Jonathan Hayes, one of the best um, writers on the NBA, probably the best as far as player profiles are concerned. Really good writer. But anyway, um, Lance Stevenson turned himself basically to a defensive specialist Drives to the hoop, attacks the hoop now, and is not really scored that much. I would say if he is over double figures for the season, it's barely. But 11 points and 13 rebounds have become a, a above-average defender. So, there you go. Roy Hibbert 
I think is the key to this series. 14 points, 8 rebounds. How long can he stay on the floor is the thing. I remember in the series against Miami last year when they were in the conference semifinals, kind of was worn out and was in foul trouble a lot, kind of one or two steps out of position, which caused him to be in foul trouble. I just wonder, with Roy, could he, can he stay on the floor for 40, 45 minutes? Guy is not seven feet. I think he's seven three. So it's kind of asking a lot for a guy to do that. Played 39 minutes last night, 14 points, eight rebounds and four assists. One of the better passing big men in the game. Paul George, 19 points, got to the line eight times. Only five for 14 shooting, played 43 minutes. David West, as mentioned, had a really good game, 20 points, four rebounds. I just think that David West is key because anybody that he's playing against, especially Melo, you don't want Melo guarding arguably the second best player on and on some nights the first, the number one offensive player for Indiana. It just takes a lot out of your score to do that. Um, DJ Augustine hit a lot of open threes, three for four. He had 16 points in 13 minutes. Tyler Hansborough came in and did a heck job, hit Carmelo um, in the first half, did what he was supposed to do, had eight points, four rebounds. I'm just saying, as, you, as this series, series goes on, Indiana is known for offensive droughts. I think they can handle the offensive droughts. I think with New York, it's more of a panic when there's an offensive drop. So I think Indiana can handle that. And Indiana, I think, is a better team than New York. Expect this series to probably go six. If it goes seven, New York probably wins. But I think Indiana takes care of New York, and they'll go on to face the winner of Miami, Chicago, which more than likely again will be Miami. But two good games on Sunday, entertaining games. Um, really enjoyed the Memphis-Oklahoma City game. By the way, one quick tangent. If you're getting an NBA team, if you want to find a raucous crowd, if you want to have a have a have a a, a, a fan base that's enthralled with your team, just put them in a place where there's nothing to do. These places like Oklahoma City and Memphis, to a certain degree, they love their teams that loud the whole game. You gotta have these small these small market teams are great. I'm, I understand you can't put every team in a small market because huh, who who will watch it? Who cares about ultimately Oklahoma City and Memphis besides true diehards and the people from those cities? But man, those fans in Oklahoma City were really good uh, on yesterday, and the Memphis crowd has been one of the best throughout the playoffs, along with Oakland and with the Golden State Warriors. So, man. Those crowds just stay up and up and up and up, and they're really into their team. So small market teams making a making a splash there. And as I say that, you just watch the Indiana crowd, Indiana crowd when they go <laughs> back to Indiana in Game Three. Um, totally opposite, sit on the hands. But anyway, I move on. On to today's games. Um, as this recording is going on, got Indiana, excuse me, Miami and Chicago presented. LeBron James with his MVP award four and five years. He's a beast, by the way. Um, and Miami, as of right now, late, early in the fourth, only leads Chicago by four. Um, typical, probably rust game for Miami. Um, I just think that with Miami, they're just going to take care of the Bulls and take care of them handily. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls stuck out two games in, in this series. And what I mean by that is, they win 
they're they're down three one and they'll sneak a game in game five and then Miami close them out in game six <laughs> in Chicago. But Ding Ding isn't playing tonight. Heinrich's still out. Hard enough to beat Miami with those guys plus Derrick Rose. By by the way, Derrick Rose is still talking about coming back. Just shut it down, man. Not beneficial for your teammates, I don't think. Not beneficial for you to just keep saying there's a 5-10% chance that you're going to play. Just go ahead and shut it down. Other game that's going on tonight is the Golden State Warriors taking care of Denver in round one, facing the well-rested San Antonio Spurs. As of this recording, Thiago Splitter is out, and big body Boris Diaz is going to take his place. This may be a chance for Golden State to sneak out a game. Um, I think that San Antonio is a more disciplined Denver team. And what I mean by that is they can score 110, 115 points at this point. Well, this particular team can. I just think that they're going to smarten up on Steph Curry. And maybe a situation we're going to see a lot of Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry. And I don't think you're going to really see a lot out of Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry, I think at this point, is considered a star. But I just think that it's going to be one of those deals where it's going to be a situation where Steph Curry probably gets 20 points, but it won't be the efficient 20 points he was getting when they were playing Denver. I think it's going to be 20 points on 25 shots is what you're going to see from San Antonio uh, with the defense they're going to show on him. It'll be surprising. you got to think everything in that series against Denver just went their way. All their jump shots were falling, and I know this team is built on jump shooters, but I just don't know if they can keep that up against San Antonio. And if they if they end up shooting thirty five to forty five percent from the three point line, and they're taking twenty five to thirty shots from there, great chance in this series. But I just don't know if they can keep that up. A lot of uncontested threes, and again, Denver was banged up with Gallo being out and making basically all the players step up one role apiece. So I just think that it'll be hard for them to do as far as, you know, as far as being competitive and staying in this series. Now, I think the series will probably be close, probably. And what I mean by close is five to seven point games. And I think you'll, Oakland, or excuse me, Oakland, Golden State to get a game or two in, in Golden State, probably a game. But I think San Antonio probably wins this series of five or six games. In coaching news, by the way, the Nets immediately, the day after the series, they let go of P.J. Carlissimo, which is surprising. Went 35-19 and 19 after he took over for Avery Johnson. And I think what Brooklyn is doing is that they're going after the high-profile coach, which is, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Go after the high-profile coach. But I think they're going after whoever the high-profile coach is, the Van Gundys, uh, to a lesser extent, Phil Jackson. But a sneaky name that I think that they'll probably go after is someone like Brian, Brian Shaw. And what I mean by that is the Phil system, he's in the center of the field. If they can't get those bigger names initially, I think they'll go after guys like that. Um, kind of unfair to P.J. Gar- Carlisma to a certain degree, I think. I think he did a really good job with uh, Brooklyn, but it just wasn't meant to be. And 
Carlissimo has talked to, said a few things today about the only way his, his job could have been saved if he would have won the NBA title. But the way that that organization is built right now, uh, the big-time billion-dollar owner uh, just moving to Brooklyn, a big market, they want a big name as their coach. And one name that has surfaced over the weekend, I think Deron Williams said this, Darren Williams said this um, after his exit interview with Brooklyn was that, hey, I wouldn't mind if Jerry Sloan comes back and coaches me. I really appreciated Jerry Sloan as a coach. I had to listen. And again, I'm not I'm not part of the media. I don't know the inside stuff of that. It was reported that Jerry Sloan was pushed out by Darren Williams and Darren Williams came out a day after saying, hey, that wasn't true. And he should just be quiet and just move on and just get another coach. But gives you the impression that he wants to be coached by a, a big-time name. But the thing about these guys that most of these stars come off as, they don't like to be pushed. And if they're pushed, they don't really appreciate it. I don't know why he would be. <laughs> I don't know why he would want to play with someone like Jerry Sloan when Jerry Sloan was the type of guy that called plays for you. Um, couldn't really do your own thing when he was in Utah. Just knows that coach, especially with John Stockton and those other guys. He's the guy that still called plays. Kind of a college mentality. Um, but says he wants a rumor has it that he wants a big time coach in there, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I think uh, well, I'm reading I'm reading PJ's quotes. He's on Dan Patrick's show today. He was saying, I "Think short of winning a championship, it wouldn't have made any difference." I mean, Bill was pretty candid. Had we won Saturday advance, we were getting ready to play the Heat tonight. I think anything short of winning a championship wasn't going to change his mind or his ownership's mind. Uh, physiologically, I've said that wrong word incorrectly. I I apologize. I think Billy and the organization wanted someone that they felt was more in line with the thoughts and the way they felt about the roster and the whole situation going forward. Also quoted on Colin Cowherd's show on ESPN Radio, they felt I wasn't the guy. So they got to get the guy in here that they want. It was a great opportunity. It was a nice job. The franchise is in great shape right now in terms of the move to Brooklyn, Barclays Center, and everything's on the uptick right now. The roster is a good roster. It's a little tight. There's not a lot of flexibility going forward, but Billy and Mikhail Pokerov are willing to do what it, that they have to do to be successful. So I think it'll be a very good opportunity for somebody. Probably the marquee job on the market right now, I would say. Um, I would think some, I remember early in the season when PJ was – had the interim tag still on him and wasn't sure that he was going to keep a job for the rest of the season. Jeff Van Gundy was a rumored guy as far as being the eventual person that takes over midseason. And he said, hey, I don't want to take a guy's job. Talk about when a guy, take a guy's job when a guy supposedly is still there. So Van Gundy probably is a name, but I don't know. It's a high-profile job, but the thing about job, don't be full, limited flexibility, only have one tradable contract. That's the Chris Humphreys $12 million expiring deal. So, and with that, I mean, what are you getting for Chris Humphreys? Had a bad year, um, not a great year this year. Was stuck in the uh, back of the rotation, probably the eighth and ninth man on this team. And what are you getting for him? I mean, he's an expiring deal. You have to give up a pick. But what good is that pick? That pick's 26-27. It's not a great pick. So, I just think that it's just one of those deals where it's an appealing job, but it has to be done now, meaning that it has to be done, 
you're going to have to win probably within two or three years. But not a lot of flexibility unless you're taking Joe Johnson's locked in. Darren Williams, you just wonder if he's the guy that's going to be the face of your franchise. But the guy that's dropped off is Gerald Wallace. Had a decent game in Game 7. I think he had around 19 or 20 points. But didn't show up all year, basically. Um, athleticism is slowly leaving him. And when athleticism leaves, you have to become a better shooter. Not a great shooter. So, I don't know. I just think that if you're going to win with Brooklyn, you're going to win with them now. So, interesting to see how that job pans out. Numerous other jobs out there also that, that aren't as good as Brooklyn. Right now, Brooklyn's the number one job. And we'll talk about those later on through the playoffs and the offseason. I'm intrigued to see how you know how some of these teams handle the draft. Not a great draft this year. And like I said, we'll talk about this later on as the playoffs go on and once we run into the lottery and once we know why all the teams are locked in. But it's going to be an interesting offseason. And again, the NBA doesn't stop. Uh, please give me any comments that you have. Go to huntersportstalk at gmail.com. That's huntersportstalk at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening to this podcast. I'm William Hunter. Thanks for listening to Hunter Sports Talk.